0: So we might move on to some other areas of your portfolio – housing, which at the moment on the no- in the Northern Rivers, mm. Byron Bay has become one of the rich, you know, richest areas in Australia with the most expensive housing. This has probably eventuated in the last few years and there's a huge underclass in this area that are struggling with affordability. There's mm. a huge underclass all over Australia really because housing prices have escalated, mm. particularly in the last decade. Uh, housing affordability we call it affordable it's housing unaffordability Mm. because it's becoming so unaffordable particularly for renters and buyers as well so you've uh, but there's another motion that you've raised or you've mentioned here sorry you've mentioned um, around housing on the 26th of March because the uh, moratoriums eviction moratoriums Mm. were lifted Mm. on the 26th of March so again COVID's put that issue under the spotlight, Mm -hmm. it's put the inequalities, people who are Mm marginalised, people who can't access services or have lost their jobs. What what would you like to say about all of that?
1: Yeah, look, without a roof over your head, without a secure place to call home, nothing else in life kind of falls into place, really. Uh, You need a secure, safe place to live in before you can get get other things in life, get a job or, you know, um, provide security for your family. In Australia and, you know, many parts of the world, housing has become a commodity. Uh, It's not seen as a basic human right. It's, you know, housing is a market. Well, it's not really. It's something that everyone should have. Um, And decades ago, federal governments did have a role to play in housing. So what basically I want to do and the Greens want to do is for the federal government to make a massive investment in building public and community housing because that's what's been happening in Australia over the last two decades not enough have been built and the ones that we had have been sold again for private profit so this this you know never ending quest for making profit for a few people who donate to the major parties is also a crux of the problem so but it's not just providing public housing it, it is also about rental market, the, you know, the, the rents that people pay. So, so housing is unaffordable. My my two kids in their 20s say they will never be able to buy a house. But also it's very hard to, to rent uh, a good, uh, you know, affordable place. So I think we need much better rental laws that provide longevity of uh, rental in, in one spot where pe- people can treat, whether it's a rental house or not, where people can treat it as their home. You know, there shouldn't be rent increases willy-nilly, so there should be a, basically a cap on when rents can be increased and by how much they can be increased. But I think, again, the, the real root cause of all of this is that housing is not seen as a human right. It is seen as something to make profit for, and that's what's happened with negative gearing, with the capital gains tax discount. There is, it's become a speculation, and people investing in it to make money, and that's not what housing is about.
0: Housing almost underpins the Australian economy these days. And we've seen, you know, in, r- in the last couple of years when there's been these fiscal stimulation packages, it's always based on housing and mm-hmm. stimulating the housing market. And as you said, housing's a basic human need. It should not be privatised. It should not be something that's underpinning our mm-hmm. underpinning our economy. You know, really, it's, it's, it's just so out of touch. And housing security often leads to... Uh, you know, better better mental health outcomes mm-hmm. for people. You know, the the lack of proper housing is does is part of the mental health problem.
1: Absolutely, housing, education from early childhood education through to school to TAFE and university are universal basic services like healthcare, and they should be treated as such. This is an investment that the government puts in our communities and, in, in, you know, in our nation as a whole. These are not costs, really, like the government sees them as. These are not um, services to make profit from.
0: That's right. And um, in, on the Northern Rivers, you know, we're, I think we've got some, some movement from the council here to try and improve outcomes. Do you Would you agree that maybe perhaps at a local level that housing should be managed with, within councils?
1: I mean, housing is a responsibility for three, for the three levels of governments. But I know, having worked in two local councils, I know that with time how much cost-cutting has been happening at councils and, you know, and shifting cost-cutting and then shifting more and more responsibility onto councils as well. So I would like to see if there is more responsibilities that council ta- takes on housing, then it has to come with the equivalent resources for those councils. Um, But I also do know, and often it's a cliché to say that councils are the closest to their communities, but they actually are. You know, the councillors live in the areas that they represent, often in regional areas council officers as well live in the areas that they represent so they're very accountable to the community and they do have the pulse of the community um, so I think local governments should be involved but with resources being provided to them.
0: People often forget that state housing, public housing, housing commission was actually a resource for state government workers in the mm-hmm. 70s and in the 60s. It was housing that was available for police, for teachers for people that were employed by the local, by the state government um, those models, you know, they were They've become, now housing's in in a sense become a bit of a waste ground for people who are marginalised, people that are struggling
1: and there's no support. I mean, it's a really broken model, isn't it? Oh, it's completely messed up in a broken system. So our plan for for us, the Greens, we've been pushing really hard for one million um, public homes to be built over the next 20 years um, to basically, because there are hundreds of thousands of people on waiting lists at the moment, and that might not even be enough. But the federal government has to stump up the investment to build those one million homes over the next 20 years to make sure that every single person has a home, and people, and and especially women. It's a huge issue in secure housing for women and older women um, who don't have enough super and don't have enough investment. Um, And we know that for domestic and family violence, you know, that's a huge issue as well, when women who are fleeing domestic violence, often with kids in tow, um, don't have a place where they can live. Um, They they fear of leaving the perpetrator. So at, at so many levels, it is such a vital issue that needs to be addressed. And, you know, in COVID, we saw that things that we had never imagined could happen did happen with the stroke of a pen. Free child care. If child care. became free for a few months, you know. Pe- evictions ban were put into place as well for a few months. So if governments have the will... They can do this. These things are not inevitable. These are decisions that are being made in the place that I work in. And, you know, we, we will be pushing for these decisions to be made for the communities, for the environment, not for the big donors.
0: Yes, and the Liberals did start acting like a, a government of a social democracy. They did. They really they, started acting in a, a very different way, didn't they? they and, and as you said, totally. Australia is one of the richest mm. Western mm. liberal democracies in the world with one of the highest tax rates mm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what are we giving back for, for, for what
1: we pay in taxes and such? That's what's what's yeah, come from that. Absolutely. And I've met so many people since that time who say to me, we always thought Greens policies were like pie in the sky and could never happen. But we have now seen that actually they can happen. So, you know, that's a good thing that has come out of that. So there's more people kind of inspired and willing to, to push for and become more active to have policies that you know, are more socially and environmentally just.
0: And people should be aware, you know, about paying taxes, that they aren't there to benefit just business people. They're not there to benefit the rich. You know that contribution that we make to our society is there to benefit everybody our, and our children's futures as well. It's a very important issue. So we might move on just quickly to animal welfare, because that's you know obviously something very special to people in the northern rivers. We have a lot of area, a lot of land, animal welfare rights people here. What's happening with the animal elf- welfare, animal welfare issue
1: at the moment, marine? Yeah, something that is very close to my heart. Um, but uh, sad to report that there's hardly any voices in the federal parliament, any voices for animals. Uh, we did, um, when I started in 2018, the, the first bill that I got passed through the Senate was for banning live export.
0: Right. Um,
1: so we did get that through because there were a few more voices, but it didn't pass the lower house. So that's a campaign that's front and centre of my campaigns. And just yesterday I was... Um, um, you know, in, in the Tweed and in Chindera, and we are trying to push back on the largest, shamefully, what is being touted as the largest precinct for greyhound racing in Australia, which is going Here to be Here in the Northern Rivers. That's unbelievable. Rivers, it is unbelievable. I mean, racing and gambling is such a toxic mix, uh, not just for animals, but of our community as well. And there is absolutely, I know that there is no social license for greyhound racing um, in Australia. But again, because it makes a buck for the government and they have their networks in the gambling industry that it goes on. Um, But I think the only way that change happens is when communities push for change. And I do know that there is so much compassion for animals in our community.
0: Thank you. Well, we've been speaking with Senator Maureen Faruqi, I'll say that again, speaking to Senator Maureen Faruqi, who's an Australian senator for New South Wales for the Greens. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful to have you here on Bay FM on
1: Multicultural Nation. Thank you so much, Malika. Always beautiful to be with you. (laughs) It's a wrap.
0: (laughs) Oh, ask questions. Well, have we got some questions here from the audience? Julie? Mm-hmm. But they there tried hard to um, ban the greyhound racing.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's not always the fault of the politicians. Mm-hmm. There was a big campaign, um, like a, a counter-marketing campaign, actually a friend of mine worked for us, so we had a big fight over mm-hmm. that, um, to, in support of the greyhound industry.
1: Where did that go wrong? Like, mm-hmm. Was that um, voted for in Parliament or was that the people's vote? Like, Why didn't that get through? So the ban on the greyhound racing did get through. We had legislation to do that. Uh, but I think what happened after was that the Labour Party, so it, it, politicians do take blame for it, and you know, Mike Baird basically saw from the Special Commission of Inquiry report that this industry was not at all feasible, that you could not have animal welfare and greyhound racing together. He saw that evidence, and I think he made a decision on conviction this could not happen. And it came on the back of years of campaigning outside within the communities, and I had been involved in that campaign. But what happened after was that the Labour Party, it's the first campaign I actually had seen the New South Wales Labour Party run, started a campaign to overturn that ban. Yes. Um, And they got together with the Media Shock Jocks um, and I think there was so much pressure. I mean, it took a few scalps. Mike Baird resi- resigned soon after, the, after announcing that he would overturn the ban. And
0: the lockout laws.
1: He, he, he yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think it's a little bit of political cowardice um, and a little bit of um, also, you know, kind of political, what should I say, uh, grabbing that moment for the Labour Party to join up with, you know, some of the people who support gambling. For their political opportunism. So, cowardice and opportunism was what happened. And, and media and marketing. Absolutely, the so money. So and so money so talks, money. unfortunately, money talks. But I think the, one of, and you've always got to look at some hope and positive from anything. The greyhounds who, um, you know, leave the industry, they're being um, adopted at record rates. So you yeah, know, yeah. so at least we have that awareness in the community that yeah. this is a terrible, rotten industry. It and was exposed. Yeah, wasn't it, was it? Exposed. yeah the, the it was exposed. It was exposed. And and you know,
0: the cruelty.
1: Yeah, the ban. Wa- you know, overturning the ban was a terrible thing. But what the liberal government and Gladys Berejiklian did after that was actually inject money into the industry as well, because you know we had reports to say that they were kind of on their way out. People weren't going to races anymore because people see that this is cruel. Um, But injecting money into it now has given them another leash of life. My marketing friend, she Mm. she, um, defends her decision because she says that it's introduced more humane legislation
0: into the running of it. But how is that governed?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's not. No, it is, but it's not humane. Like. like full st- greyhound racing kills hundreds of dogs. Just last year, more than 200 dogs died in Australia on track. And we don't even know how many die off track. The ones who are not fast enough are just killed. Mm. Like I have a greyhound. I adopted a greyhound after they overturned the yeah, ban. My beautiful Cosmo. And you see how they've been treated. Like it took two years for him to get comfortable in in our home. And they're such gentle, gentle, the most beautiful animals. So, you know, running them uh, for profit and then killing them when they kind of get injured. There were yeah. 3,000 who got injured just last year. When everything was shut down, greyhound racing and horse racing was going on. Continue, that yeah. tells you the power of that industry, really. Yeah. And then the other
0: question I have in regards to systemic racism in Australian politics and in our society. Mm-hmm. Has there been a time since colonisation that um, there wasn't racism, like mm-hmm. to what degree does the leadership really kind of give a voice or shape that, like I say,
1: conflict little more both work was racism less? Yeah, I I mean obviously the the treatment of First Nations has been pretty horrendous throughout. Paul Keating. From colonization to now, yeah. to be really frank. Um, you know, but I do think like like I said when I came here thirty years ago, I didn't feel um the, the I guess, the heat that I feel now of racism.
0: I meant to talk and about... And in the community inter- as... A, yeah, not just me, Donald, but Donald others Trump as well. Trump yeah. Trump can we... Yeah. Should we add on any
1: more, or do you want to go? I think we have we to go. go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, to go. Go. yeah <laughs> I meant yeah. to talk, yeah. talk
0: about yeah. Yeah. about yeah. Trumpism. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, thank you, thank you, Emma. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Womby, are you recording these? Great. Terrific, thank you. so you introduced the first bill ever to decriminalise abortion in New South Wales. Can you... It, we should put it on the microphone because yeah. then we can, we, can, it, yeah. Yeah, mm. we can play it on mm. radio. Hi. Hey. You introduced the um, first ever bill to decriminalise abortion in New South Wales mm. and you won the closure
1: of pregnancy
0: discrimination mm. loopholes. Mm. Why do you think it took so long to decriminalise abortion in Australia?
1: Mm. That is a very good question. And as soon as I started in um, state parliament in 2013, there was a question on my mind as well. Um, and I think there are a number of reasons. I think no one had the courage to bring that up. They, because there are, there are parties who are captured by um, you know, anti-choice politicians. Um, so they fear that. There was some level of fear that things could go wrong and they could get even worse. For women, but from where I sat and the women and the doctors and lawyers that I was speaking to, from my perspective, things couldn't get any worse. I mean, yes, abortion and pregnancy termination were accessible to people living in the big cities on the East Coast um, at a price. It was very expensive. But for those living in regional rural areas, there was absolutely nothing. They had to travel, you know, kilometers and kilometers to get to a clinic. Uh, where they could actually get um, that health service. Uh, in their own towns, they, I've been to, I was in Albury so many times over that campaign. There was one clinic in Albury. There was a doctor that flew in, I think, once um, in two weeks, a month, from Melbourne to provide that service. And every time she was there, there was a gauntlet of anti-choice people outside harassing women. So from my perspective, things weren't okay when you have a law that doesn't unambiguously um, tell you that it is not a crime. It was a crime in New South Wales. And how I I just thought, how could it be a crime in New South Wales? So it took um, a lot of um, five, I think six years to run a community campaign with communities across New South Wales. And of course, we stood on the shoulders of women who had been doing this since the 70s. Um, So what we did in the end was make it inevitable for the Liberal government to make this change. And I think that was a good example of how when communities work together and just don't take no for an answer, that things do change.
0: And on behalf of all women, thank you very much. (laughs) It was
1: my privilege. It was my privilege and it's not just me. It was thousands of people working across New South Wales. It really was Okay, we might run. Thank you so much, Moraine. Thank it's you wonderful. so much. It's been such a privilege. Thank you, everyone.